Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. Is your motor running? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. We're here at Uncle Studios in beautiful downtown Van Nuys. Another day to put together another podcast. I've got with me today Nick Capel, our announcer, and Brian Reed. Welcome, guys. Good to be here as always, Dave. I want to devote the next two podcasts to talking about being thoughtful and purposeful. These will be a little deeper than our normal podcasts and certainly deeper than episodes where we just bag on the latest credit card offers. Criticizing a credit card is a lot of fun and it's so easy, but it can be a little superficial. So this is interesting stuff and I thought we'd devote a few podcasts to it and ultimately I think it's important stuff. Today I want to talk about your internal motor. Is it running? Or maybe the question is, who's running it? I subscribed to a blog by Seth Godin. My wife, the CPA, turned me on to it some time ago. It comes almost every day and is delivered by email if you subscribe. It contains a few short paragraphs and usually touches on business, marketing, and life issues. Some days it just doesn't grab my attention. It's on a topic that I really don't think about that much. However, some days it really resonates with me, and I think about it for days. Now, right now, you might be wondering, who's Seth Godin? Well, he's an author, entrepreneur, and teacher. He talks mostly about business and marketing issues. He's written 18 bestsellers that have been translated into 35 languages. The first book that I read of his was called Permissive Marketing. He was talking about email marketing, a time when most people hadn't even thought of it yet. He has eight online business courses. Perhaps the best known is the Alt-MBA. And if I was still coming up in the business world, I would certainly think about taking his class. It's quicker and more practical than a traditional MBA. He's posted over 7,000 blogs and spoken to over 3 million people at 1,000 different speeches. He's even given a TED Talk. He has a website, SethGodin.com, where you can sign up for his blog. He also has a podcast called Akimbo. I think it's almost as interesting as the Financial Wellness Podcast. I've never met the guy, but I really like his stuff. One of his recent emails really got me to thinking and related in part to what we talk about here. and That's why I want to share it with you. One of his most recent blogs was called The Motor. In that blog, he notes that audiobooks are outpacing reading. Why? Hmm, they come with their own motor. A person can sit passively with their motor turned off, and they don't have to do any active reading. We all read, but pushing through a chapter or book takes effort. You have to have your motor on. Reading anything without links requires that we run our own motor. Seth notes that the internet is the greatest collection of information of all time ever developed. Yet few people take advantage of it enough to sit down, use their motor, and actually learn. If we do any research or learning, we tend to use it more as a quick reference or super yellow pages, if you will. Maybe that's why YouTube flourishes. Sometimes you can lose hours of time just going from video to video. I've lost many hours this way. I've heard someone call it going down the rabbit hole. 
Now, this reminds me of an incident several years ago with my son. He was about 10 years old and wanted to set up some kind of sub-network or something on our home computer. I had no idea what he was talking about. I told him to go get some information from Google. Instead, he went to YouTube and watched a video. Based upon what he saw, he was able to set up whatever it was on the home network. It seems like many people, especially millennials, are using YouTube to gather information to do research. Why? Well, I think it's because they don't need to run their motor. Now, in this case, I thought it was a good thing because my son, who just doesn't have the patience to sit down and do some research and read and go through a bunch of stuff, he was able to figure out this very complicated internet alignment. Now, I find that I do the same thing, although in a slightly different way. When I come home from work and I've done the things that I need to do, I'll decide whether I want to watch a movie or read. More often than not, I'll watch a movie because it doesn't require that I run my motor. All day long at work, I push, push, push with my motor on. When I get home, I don't want to sit there in active mode. If I read, that takes effort. If I watch a movie, I can just coast and let it come to me. When we look at the internet, it's simply easier just to click on a button as opposed to trying an address or typing in a command. It's easy to look at the pictures as opposed to reading the text. Now, I just assumed I was doing this because I was just lazy. It turns out, I just didn't want to run my motor. Now, we all need time to veg out in front of the TV. We all need time to turn the motor off. Don't get me wrong. But how purposeful are we when we turn off the motor all the time and just let someone else set the agenda. Now, Seth closed his blog with a mind-blowing statement. Somebody's driving. It's either you going where you choose or someone else pushing you. Wow. This really caused me to pause because I think he's so right. Either you're setting your own agenda or someone else is setting it for you. When I thought about this, this directly relates to financial wellness. We're either on our own path, following our own plan, using our own motor, or someone else, like retailers, banks, credit card companies, they're driving us, pushing us to do what they want us to do. If we let them, they'll end up with all of our energy and ultimately our money. They're really good at this. They have Madison Avenue and hundreds of millions of dollars in research backing them up. I don't really begrudge them being sophisticated in their business dealings. However, we have to be more sophisticated and smarter to keep from pursuing their agenda. We need to pursue our agenda so that we get to where we want to be. Now, the good news is that we can offset this influence just by being mindful and purposeful. The thoughtful use of our minds can offset what others, including big business, want to do to us. Pretty cool, huh? Now, if you've subscribed to the Financial Wellness Podcast, you've probably done it to be entertained and informed. But more importantly, perhaps you've done so to stay mindful about your financial wellness. If that's the case, congratulations. One of the main messages of the Financial Wellness Podcast is to have a plan, to follow it, and to get to where you want to be not letting someone else push you to where they want you to be. Our pledge is to continue to do this on a weekly basis in an entertaining and informative way. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, 
email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, before we go to our first uh, email, I want to make a little bit of an announcement here. We've got a website that we've put together, a webpage, thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. Remember that, thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can go there and you can leave a message. Just scroll down past my picture and leave a message there either in writing or there's a button on the right-hand side. Hit the button and it will record you. Just state your name, where you're from, ask me a question, comes to my cell phone. So scroll down, hit the button. It'll make sure that you've got a microphone working, which you do if you have an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device. It'll even work on a laptop if you have a microphone set up, and it'll start to record. All you got to say is something like, um, hi, this is Dave from uh, Van Nuys, and uh, I have a question for Dave. What's up, dude? <laughs> now, ask me something better than that, obviously. Don't spoof me on this. But um, it's real easy to ask a question. Something comes across your mind. All you got to do is go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. If you don't feel like typing with your motor going, you can very actively turn off the motor and just ask me a question. So with that said, let's go to the, the emails that we've got so far today. We don't have any audio emails, obviously, yet. But uh, Brian, what you got for me? Well, we've got uh, the first one here um, is from Melissa, and she writes, Dave, I've got a six-month emergency fund of about 25000 that I've built up over the past couple of years. Unfortunately, my credit card bills have slowly grown to be about that same amount. Do you recommend that I take the money in my emergency fund and use it to just pay down the debt? Hmm... Well, here's what I think. A lot of people will have different uh, opinions about this. As a general rule, if you got money in the bank and you're going to pay down or and you have debt, pay it off. Pay the debt down. But should you dip as low as your emergency fund to pay off that debt? If it were me, I'd just, I just wouldn't. I'd want to have my cake and eat it too. It's too hard to get that money built up in the bank. I'd hate to see you sacrifice it. I know you're paying interest, sometimes ridiculous rates of interest. Uh, on that credit card debt, but I would leave the emergency fund where it is and then schedule the payment of that debt down in big, fat, hairy chunks to the best that you can. Maybe even a side gig, uh, maybe even selling some things, but gosh, I hate to dip into that emergency fund if you've been diligent and uh, fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to put that together. I think it would also I mean would the actual job that she has kind of play into that if she's secure in her position I don't know is it is it worth it to you know she's got a six-month cushion well I mean you could you could drop it to a three-month cushion I mean you could kind of split the baby down the middle yeah. and, and drop drop it to a, a three-month and, and and a lot of people frankly um, would just have the opposite opinion I mean I've listened to um, uh, thoughtful people on both sides of this issue. And they say, hey, you know, no debt, no debt, no debt, no debt. They're militant about it. And I get that. And it's logical. But um, if it were me, 
I think I'd leave that emergency fund there. It's, it's so hard to put together a chunk of money like that. It really takes a lot of diligence. And I would then, uh, and then I would pay it off. But I think you're right. Um, a lot of things would uh, come into play. A safe job might cause her to, you know, decide one way or the other. Um, if there was some kind of um, windfall coming down the line, say someone in the industry. I mean, we're here in, you know, in Hollywood. In La La Land. Yeah, and, and someone's got, uh, you know, they're gonna, uh, their script is finally gonna be optioned or whatever that's involved with. Um, maybe she might respond a little bit differently. But, you know. Average job security, average pay, um, hard to get that together. And I, and I think she could be, should be congratulated for that. But I don't know if it was up to me, I'd, um, I'd keep that fund intact. What else we got? Well, we got one here from, uh, from Steve who writes, Dave, uh, I thought I had everything in my financial life pretty well under control. But it seems as though every month I put about $300 more on my credit cards, which I thought I could pay, but in the end, I can't. Do you have any thoughts or tricks on how I might deal with these cards? Oh, yeah. Easy. Dump the junk. Get rid of the cards. <laughs> Go back to cash. Cash, cash, cash. Remember, we've said that people spend about 18% less on things when they pay cash as opposed to putting it on a credit card. So uh, some people uh, can handle it. Some people can use the credit card. Some people always seem to be a, a step short or a buck behind, uh, or vice versa. But uh, it seems to me that if, if you can't keep your hands around or get your hands around that control and control that, just dump the junk, get rid of it, and go buy cash. Now, the disadvantage is that when you got a credit card or a debit card, uh, you can download the data every month and dump it into your Quicken program to, to see where you're spending it all. That's a really big advantage. But that's a small advantage if you're actually going negative. So I would get rid of the credit cards. Just get rid of them. I wouldn't, wouldn't even pull a debit card at this point and carry around a debit card. Just wouldn't do it. Maybe as a backup and commit to yourself, you're just gonna, not gonna use it unless you need to rent a car or get a tow or something like that, and just go cash. That's what I would do. I think that's by far the best thing to do, Steve. Do you think people still, you know, it's going to the ATM, it used to be such, it's a hassle. That's the problem with, it is. with cash nowadays is because we've become so used to just swipe, 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 tap, we don't have to make the extra step to go to the bank and actually get the cash. And maybe that can actually be part of the joy of, you have cash, you actually not only had to work to get the cash in the first place, but now you're making an effort to also have it in your pocket and you don't wanna to have to go back to the bank you know, too soon, so maybe you don't go out and get that uh, dinner for 25 bucks, you stay at home. Oh, man, when you talked about going to the ATM, what a flashback. I remember that. And you'd stand in line and then you go, God, I hope the money comes out. And you type in your pin and they're looking at you, the little camera. You got the camera and then you're dot. always doing the little look over your shoulder. Right. Wait, who's around? Is anybody going to see my pin? Right, right. Is someone going to come up with a knife and <laughs> stick me in the back and take my, my $60 or whatever? Um, wow, what a flashback. But yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, maybe you'll spend less if you have to go to the machine and, and get the cash like that. On the other, it, yeah, it's a total pain in the neck. 
And it's a pain in the neck to carry around cash because you always got coins jumping around in your pocket and you, you've got to organize, you know, the, the bills in your wallet. I don't know about you, but I try and keep them in a, you know, in a certain order so I don't inadvertently give someone a 20 where I'm meaning to give them a two or something or, or I fold <laughs> a in A $2 bill? You, you still use those? <laughs> or, you know, if, if, you, if you're lucky enough to once in a while have a hundred, I fold it in half and, and so I don't give someone like a hundred dollar <laughs> tip at the valet or it's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, but, y- you know, you do what you got to do. And, and if you can't keep up with um, you know, what you're spending. And if you come out negative every month, I mean, that's the surest, surest way to get you know, in a jam. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just wouldn't do it. You ever tried to ever try to spend a hundred dollar bill at McDonald's? <laughs> they, they look at you like you're handing them green cheese. What, you know? Oh, and then they do that thing where they have to, uh, swipe it with the, the pen. Yeah. That pen that'll only show, you know, it'll work on the $100 bill to show that it's real. Yeah, I don't I don't know what what happens when it's bad. Does it turn red or something? Do you ever see that happen? I've never seen it happen. Wow. It'd be interesting though. I would be like, "Wow, that's an actual counterfeit bill." Yeah, you know my my law partner one time a guy came in and gave him 500,000 bucks in cash and he walks over to the bank and and goes to deposit it and they told him that three of the bills were counterfeit. And he had, he had no, and which, which ones from, you know, he, he knew the client, but you're not going to talk to a business client and say, Hey, you're passing bum money. <laughs> client probably didn't even know, but he had to, he had to take that loss. That's wow. I would have gone back to the client yeah. and like, Hey, just FYI, you got some bad bills. I'm going to need some real, you know, I would have just given them back. <laughs> yeah, and then, then the client will go, I didn't give you those bills. Oh, uh, true. You know then I mean? it's now, uh, yeah. He yeah. said, she said kind of a thing. And um, I guess that's always a risk when you're when you're carrying around cash or you'll lose the cash or something will happen to it. It's like that old joke at the, um, what is it, the jungle ride in Disneyland? You're standing in line, jungle boat ride. And jungle you're standing in line and they go, uh, would the person that lost the three $100 bills with the red rubber band around it, please come forward. We, we found your red rubber band. <laughs> There's no way to prove it. There's absolutely no way to prove it. And that's, that's a downside. That, that's, that's a downside. Or you go out for a night and you, you wake up the next morning and you go, wow, where'd, where'd all that money go? Where'd all the money go from last night? Yeah, did someone reach in my pocket or grab it? Or uh, you know, did I just drop it on the floor somewhere and somebody's happy today or what? There, there's a lot of downsides with cash, but uh, I think the worst downside is going negative uh, every single month and then, wow, running up a bill. You know, over some period of time, and then you've got a then you got a serious problem. We got time for one more? Uh, I think we do. We'll do one more here. All right. Um, this one is from Katrina, and she writes, "Dear Dave, I need some marital advice." Uh oh. Uh oh. This is never I, uh, this is never a good way to start a question. I got my own problems. <laughs> <laughs> she writes, "I can't seem to get my spouse to sit down and talk with me about our financial path." Also, I can't seem to get him to stop spending. He likes going to Best Buy, Fry's, and looking at the latest cars at the auto dealerships. Any tips on how I might get him on board? Thanks, Katrina. Well, Katrina, you know, a a couple podcasts from now, we're going to bring in a psychologist and spend a whole podcast talking about some of these things. But um, just a, a, a shorter answer here. I think you've got two issues. One you can't seem to get him to sit down and talk with you about your financial plan. You say our financial plan, and it's not really our financial plan or your financial plan because he's not participating. Um, my advice would be to get him away 
uh, from the hustle and bustle of the city, from the from the everyday, go away for the weekend, find a quiet place, and uh, get him to agree ahead of time that that's the time when you're going to talk about it. And it doesn't have to be sophisticated stuff. It could be five bullet points written on the back of a napkin at a, you know, a coffee shop. A lot of these things don't have to be that complicated or that sophisticated. In fact, financial success, and we'll talk, uh, we'll spend a whole podcast talking about this too, but I think a lot of um, uh, financial success is emotionally responding, um, not intellectually responding to some of the stimulus that are out there. So, um, you know, if you can get him emotionally on board, I think that'll help. I'm um, going to Best Buy, Fry's, um, sports cars. I, I, I guess that's not too bad as long as he's not buying, buying stuff. sports cars. Right? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a lot better than going to some liquor store or some nudie joint, you know? <laughs> but you just say nudie joint? <laughs> I think I said nudie joint. Are there even any places like that around anymore? I don't even know. But if he wants to go and look, and that's entertaining, great. Now, if he's picking stuff up, that's a problem. If stuff's being delivered by Amazon uh, every day, that's a, that's a problem. Or um, if he's uh, you know coming home with a red sports car, that's a problem. But I don't think that's uh, what's going on here. It doesn't sound like it. But the two of you got to get on the same page, because otherwise you're just going to have a long marriage with a lot of discord, and, and you've got to figure out some way to, to blend it together. Use a sports analogy. <laughs> Wait, you get him on a huddle and say, we all, we all got to work together. Look, we got to work together. We're trying to get to the goal line. Here's gotta the get, goal line. Got to get the ball get in the end zone. <laughs> we got to score one for financial success. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the, 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 the other side of it is um, if, if you're completely different, um, that, uh, that's going to create a lot of discord. But it can also be seen as kind of a balancing event. Uh, the irony is that uh, in, you know, in, in my marriage, um, I'm the spender, uh, and which is really ironic considering we're on the financial wellness podcast. <laughs> so if anyone's listening out there and you're a spender, who was it, the president, that said, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the spender and she's the saver. And, and yeah, that does, that does provide some issues. But if we go about it in a, a respectful and, and hopefully mutually learning kind of way, we can kind of offset each other's tendencies. So... You know, I get her to spend a little more and she gets me to save a little more. It kind of works. It's a good balance. Yeah, yeah. If you look at it more as a balance than a tension, um, might be a good way to uh, to look at that. But you, you got to do something because otherwise it's just going to be, uh, you know, push and pull for many, many, many years and um, not a happy situation. But sit down, get him, get him away somewhere, sit down, get him on board. Focus on, um, you know, focus on the prize, focus on where you want to be, focus on the end result. Um, and that way, the, the short term pain seems a lot less difficult. And then let us know how that turns out. Thanks for uh, writing in, Katrina. All right. That's about all the time that we have uh, today. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about our second podcast, talking about being purposeful and mindful. It'll be kind of the, uh, the second bookend, if you will, to, this, um, to today's podcast. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.